It's kind of funny how everybody like gets the back seats, man. Nobody's in the spit and they're like, hey, Bart, dude, no way, man. I'm glad to see you guys and not just on Facebook. <laughs> All right, we spent a couple Christmases together in the Bahamas uh, a couple years ago, right? Was it last year? Oh my goodness, I thought it was like two years ago, but wow, awesome. Lots happened. Um, Man, every year, uh, this time of the year, uh, I I pick up a book that I've been reading for quite some time, um, and and I want to recommend this book. Um, It's called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. In fact, Last year at this time, I probably preached from the same text and said some of the same things or whatever, but it's obviously going to be different. It's been a whole year now, not two, but a whole year. But anyways, um, uh, A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm, it's a book that's hard to actually get in print now. It's written by a guy named Philip Keller. And if you can ever get it, man, I would suggest getting this book. You can find it on Kindle. You can find it wherever. But what this guy was is he was a shepherd, literally a shepherd. And uh, he was a pastor also, so he was a bivocational pastor. And he shepherded, uh, he had sheep in Israel, you know, in Palestine area. He was a shepherd there for a while. He was a shepherd in the western part of the United States for a while. In other words, as he was shepherding his sheep, you know, literal sheep, and shepherding the sheep God gave him as a pastor, he just saw the correlation. And I don't think you're ever going to see Psalm 23 in the same way again. Probably it's been, I would say, probably 15, 20 years that I've been reading this book. This is one of the books that I read every single year just to let me appreciate who my shepherd is. And really the dependence, the quality of life you have is going to be determined by the shepherd that you have. Um, and so, but something new came out of it this year because we have been studying the Christmas story. And in studying that Christmas story, we know how the angels came to the shepherds. And um, when he came to the shepherds, man, the religious people didn't get it. Why would he come to the shepherds? Shepherds were the lowest class of citizen. They're, they're, uh, they didn't get to go to church because they were always out there and ceremonially unclean, you know, out in the fields with the sheep and covered with manure and grass and just smelly and they didn't go to church they couldn't do anything and so the religious leaders really didn't look in the politicians and the government people they looked at shepherds as this outcast system of people that they didn't even trust their testimony in court and so it was interesting when jesus comes to the shepherds um you know just making himself accessible to everyone i never really thought about that before when God now compares himself to being a shepherd. You know, he's saying sometimes what you guys think is really important, the people you think are really the ones you should be listening to aren't the ones. The people you should be more like are probably the ones that you're probably not trying to emulate. And he says, look at me. Jesus says in, in, in John 10, I'm the great shepherd. But here he gave something to David just hundreds of years earlier, and it's the 23rd Psalm. And so what, tell me the 23rd Psalm, tell me the very first line of the 23rd Psalm. Who knows it before we say it? Give me, give me, all right, put your hand up. Okay, so on the count of three, everybody give me the first line. Oh, he's already got it up here, man. Just everybody read it. All right, everybody read together. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, let's stop right there. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. How many of you have not, how many of you have the Lord as your shepherd? Anybody here have the Lord's shepherd? Yes, the Lord's your shepherd. But how many of you have spent the whole last year saying, I shall not want? (laughs) Is there anybody here who has said that, not said it once all year? 
instead of, you know, man, I just wish I had this or I need this. How many, how many of you would say, that's not me? I've wanted a lot of stuff this year. Okay, that's us. And so um, what I want to share with you out of this first part is that often God's will for our lives is determined by what he provides. His will for our lives is determined by what he provides. You know, when I go in to cook, I, I don't like to like get a recipe off of Pinterest or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that, actually. It's all good. But I, I don't like to get a recipe off Pinterest, and that's why your meals probably work out and mine don't always work out. But you guys have all survived through my years of cooking. But instead of going to Publix or Walmart or wherever and getting all the ingredients, coming home and cooking it, what I like doing, man, I like going in the cupboard. I look in the freezer and say, what do I have for a meat? That looks good. What do I have here for a starch? That looks good. What do I have here for a vegetable? Now I look at my spice cabinet. What do I have here to make a sauce out of? And bring it all together. And sometimes it works. Has it not worked sometimes? Has it ever not worked? Yeah. <laughs> and Ashley's always agreeable. And she'll eat anything and go, oh, that was good, Dad. And Emily's more honest. She's like, that's what, she won't say anything, but she'll be eating. And I'll be like, so how was that? Emily says, well, it really wouldn't bother me if you didn't make it again, <laughs> you know. And it's like, but she ate it. She appreciated it. But, you know, there's, there's success and failure and all of that. But in other words, I like to look in the cabinet and see what my ingredients are and put those ingredients together, see what I can make with what I've got. And honestly, being faithful and what we're going to be judged by as believers and when we hear that well done, good and faithful servant is doing the best you can with what you got where you're at. And there's so much discontentment in this world, man. All you got to do is go on Amazon. You go on the TV. Every marketing person in the world, their first job is to make you discontent with what you have. So you have to have what they're advertising. That's the world we live in right now. And they use models like Adam to make you think, dude, dude, I want a belly like yours. The guy's like, no, you got this one. <laughs> it's like, but what I'm, man, that's the whole world, part of this world is discontentment. And God says right from the very beginning in Psalm 23, the Lord's your, David says, man, God's my shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd. I don't need anything else. Now, if you read this book and you get more details out of it, what you will see is that a, shep, a sheep, they, uh, a, a herd of sheep or an individual sheep, they cannot do anything to provide for themselves. Man, if they have a successful life, it's totally dependent on the shepherd that they have. In other words, there's other sheep sitting on the other side of the barbed wire going, God, I wish I had your shepherd. You know, and David's over there going, Lord's my shepherd. You want to jump the fence? Come on. You saw, see, that's what the Christian life is about. If we would lose our discontentment, if we would see what we have, through God's perspective, see life from God's perspective, we can be stoked on about just anything. If we see it from God's perspective, he's put in our life to make us grow and to make us more like him and bring us closer to him. This is you and this is God and you don't let pressure get between you. What's going to happen? It's going to push you closer together. If you let any bit, uh, a bit of it get between you and God, it pushes you apart. And so we've got to see life from God's perspective this year. And if you don't remember anything else but just this first line, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything else. Whatever he provides is what I need. Does he not promise to provide us what we need? Does he not promise that? Then why are we so discontent? And the answer is because we think we need stuff we don't need. How many ever bought something and then you became a slave to it? <laughs> How many of you ever joined up for something, you paid money for something, and then you, it owned you, you didn't own it. 
And so, and same thing with our schedules. We have time, we have talent, we have treasure. And man, whatever he's given us, this is what we need. And we need to learn how to do the best we can with what we got, where we're at. And watch him. And you know, in our culture, one of the things that, that, that lures us the most is, is, is the fact that we can have things instantly. With him, we have to wait, don't we? But how many of you have ever waited and got what he wanted for you instead of going out and getting it on your own? Anybody ever done that? Man, where's my wife? Raise your hand. It was me. No, just, <laughs> she must be watching Keone right now. But yeah, man, when you wait for it and God provides, it's awesome when he does it. He did it for me this morning in the parking lot. It's, I can't believe, man, what God does when we wait, but we know how to manage things and try to take them in our own hands. And we get ourselves in messes and situations that God never intended us to be in. That's why it's hard to live that biblical life right now because we live in a culture where we're working all the time. It's all about paying bills for stuff that we don't need that we, you know what I'm talking about. But in here, he says, the Lord's my shepherd. I, sh I don't need, I like the New Living Translation. It says, Lord's my shepherd. I don't need anything. I don't need anything. Whatever I need, he has provided for me. So oftentimes, I want to challenge you with this. When you don't think you can go to the next level, when you don't think you can do the next thing, when you think, you know, and I'm not saying God doesn't take us and move us forward and different, doesn't give us promotions, doesn't want us to buy anything. I'm not saying all of that stuff. But what I am saying is, man, check with him. Try to see life from his perspective so that when you're right here and you look at what you've got and you understand this is what God has brought you, look at it and say, what do you want me to do with it? Because like we've talked a bunch of times, we've seen in the gospel account, we've seen in the Acts of Luke, just because he gave us something doesn't mean it's for us. In fact, that's going to be a big surprise to a lot of us Americans when we get to heaven and, and we see what rewards we have based on what we've done. He said, well, I never intended that to be for you. That was never for you. What? We give out of our surplus instead of our, instead of our sacrifice. As soon as we get something, we should see what God wants us to do with it. Because if we're keeping stuff that we're not supposed to keep, trying to make us secure, we're trying to guard and protect and invest and hold on to stuff that's not supposed to be ours. So all that stress, all that strain, all that responsibility, were we supposed to have it? No, once you give it away, it's gone. You don't worry about it again. And that's how God operates. He wants us to give stuff away, our time, our talent, and our treasure in all of that. So the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. And the main thing I want you to remember out of that is whatever you need, he's given you. He will give you whatever you need when you need it, in the form you need it. And if somebody's not faithful and they don't give, he's prompted them, given them the resources, given them what they need, and they don't give, he'll get it to you another way. I guarantee you he will. He's got plenty of willing servants in this world, and I want you to be one of them. Be realizing you've got what you need, and it's not for a rainy day. We don't give. It's for what he wants to have done with it right now. Let me ask you a question. If God wanted, say God, and I'm not, this is not, talk, I'm, you know, we've got a little rusty bucket here, so I don't talk about money, but let's just say God wanted to give Driftwood a million, let's say he wanted to give him, let's just make it ridiculous, $80 million, all right, for me that would be ridiculous, $80 million, could he give you $80 million and trust you to give all $80 million to him? What do you think, Carol? She's the only honest one I got in here. What do you think, Carol? 
Yeah, exactly. And that's honestly worth it because you know what? Here's what I th our train of thought is like 80 million. Oh, surely Driftwood doesn't move 80 million. Yeah, give, let's start with a million and see what they do with that, and then I'll give them a little more. You know, or it's not ours. If he wanted to give $80 million, could he give it to you and count on you to give it? And it's the same thing with your talent and your talent. It's the same thing. If God wanted to give somebody something, could he trust to give it to you and trust you would give it all to where it's supposed to go? Or how many of y'all would at least just maybe 87, how many of y'all would give 87 million to the church out of 80? And you'd be thinking you're pretty noble, wouldn't you? It's like, I'm just keeping a million, right? What would you do, Elena? Yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's where it's at. Bottom line is we've created a lot of our stress by the stuff we keep that we're supposed to be giving away. With our time, our talent, and our treasure, we've got things so out of whack, but I want you to understand from this, David's like, you know what? The Lord's my shepherd. I don't need anything. So what I have is enough. I just got to figure out how to manage it the way he wants me to manage it. And then so he goes down. I want to share with you the next verse. We get through this verse two today. We will be lucky. I don't think we're really going to get through verse three. But in here, this is good stuff. And if you like this, man, read this book. You're going to be, oh, that's what he preached on. I know where he stole this, man. I'm just telling you right off the bat. I stole this from this dude who wrote it over 100 years ago, all right? And I use it every year because it means that much to me. That's why I read this book every year. That's why I love this psalm. Look what he says here. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. How many of you ever read that before? But how many, how many of you have never lied down in that green pasture? You're like, well, I don't know what that means. Well, here's what it means, man. In Palestine and in most areas where they raise sheep, it's got to be a dry area. It's got to be real dry because if it's wet, have you ever, how many of you ever seen sheep? They're like pretty hairy and fur. Can, can you, you can hardly even stick your hand all the way into their skin. It's like, it's like the fro of all fros, man. It's like Tito Jackson on steroids. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, trying to get in. And so they, if, if, they're, if they're in a moist climate, if it's wet, they get top heavy, they get diseases, they get funguses, they get, it's just wet. So they got to be raised in a dry area and usually it's rocky. And so in a dry, rocky area, are there green pastures? No. It's dry and rocky, man. And that's not the environment the shepherd made for the sheep. So what he does is he says, all right, I'm going to make a, a pasture here. And he goes down and he grabs a rock out and he takes that rock with his help and he makes it to the outside boundary. He goes and grabs another rock and makes another. And out of all the rocks that are in the middle, he makes the wall that's going to be the wall of protection at, for the sheep. So now that he's got an area cleared out, hey, Kevin, is there, is there a green pasture in there now? No, it's just still dry ground. What's got to happen for grass to grow? Yeah, dude, you got to have some grass seed. What, all right, so how many of y'all have grass in your yard? Okay, if you, what, what do you got to do for that grass to grow? Yeah, dude, somebody's got to put a sprinkler system in there, but he really doesn't have electricity. He's got he's to, man, dig, you know, dig like trenches, different. Somehow he's got to irrigate this in a dry, arid area. That's not an easy job. Because if you go home and look at your yard and you haven't watered it like mine, you're, you're probably noticing that, man, I, all I got to do is turn a thing on and it doesn't get green. You know, they got to make, he goes through a lot of effort to make green grass grow in there. And so here's what he's done. He has gone through a ton of effort to make a wall of protection, make lush green grass to grow. And then what does he want his sheep to do in it, Natalie? Yeah, I know what Terry was thinking, but it was like, but yeah, the sheep would do it, but he wants them to lay down and rest. He went through all this trouble for them to lay down and rest. 
and yet his sheep are all nervous and they're jumping around. Like, Woo! You know, they're scared, they're worried, they're bouncing around, they're not resting. How many of you would admit that this has not been a restful year? Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on in this world. There's a lot of things happening. And God's gone through all this trouble to make a wall of protection for us to stay in, made a perfect green pasture, and yet we're not taking advantage of it because we're worrying. How many of you here have never worried this year? <laughs> if not, you're a liar. <laughs> all right, how many of you didn't worry like in the last week? You were high. You just, no, no, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, yeah, we worry. We fr- Can you imagine going through all that effort to make that green pasture and then the sheep not appreciating it, not enjoying it? It's like, yeah, you just did everything and they're not taking advantage of it. Well, here's the things that stop these sheep from taking advantage of this nice green pasture. It's the same things that that cause us not to take advantage of the green pasture God's given us. And by the way, what did it cost God to have him be able to live inside of us so that we could have, regardless of our circumstances, we walk in the spirit, we're filled with what? Love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness. What did it cost him to make that possible for us? His son. Him, yeah. He would rather die than live without us. He paid the ultimate price for us to be able to have that green pasture. The last thing he wants us to see is his prized sheep worrying. And, and, and what happens when you worry? What happens when sheep are all worrying and they're all on edge? Are, are they like growing healthy at that point? No, the stress affects them the same way it affects us. What happens to you? He looks down and sees our prized sheep all worrying and upset. He's like, no, you don't have to be there. Let me ask you a question. Who, who in here is one of his prized sheep? Raise your hand. If you're born again, raise your hand. You're one of his prized sheep. You're like, well, I'm not as prized as that one. and not as pri- uh, Now, after I start my fitness plan, I will be. Or after I, after I start eating healthy, I will be. After I learn how to do this, after I read the Bible. No, you're one of his prized sheep. The only reason you're even in the fold is because he gave you grace, gave you the desire and ability to become one of his. We're all his prized sheep, and he does not want us worried. He wants us to have, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He wants us to rest in green pastures, to rest in our salvation, to rest in him. And even though we don't know how it's going to work out, rest in the fact that it's going to. But here's the things that cause us not to rest, all right? Um, one of the things is beasts. These, uh, these uh, animals, beasts. Beast, B-A-S-T-S, yeah, beast. And, and, and I got a bunch of beasts in here right now that I could you know, use for illustrations, all right, that'll, that'll illustrate this perfect. And so if I pick you, don't like take, take it as a compliment, okay? It's because you all are impressive. All right, so anyways, the beasts, they would have lions and tigers and bears and all this stuff that would come after a sheep. Now, what's a sheep going to do to defend himself, Ashley? Whoa! <laughs> I mean, they got hoofs, right? You know, they can't break out their little AK, their assault rifles. They can't, you know, they're not very good with archery. They aren't good with kung fu. They're not good. How's a sheep? All right, how about run? You ever seen a sheep run? Dude, they got bodies like this with legs like this, and you're like, oh, you saw me in the mirror, right? No, I'm saying, dude, they can't run. They can't fight. They can't do anything except, they, except, except what? Depend upon their shepherd. So... 
if beasts are always, if, if the sheep are always worried about the beasts, which were real. I mean, didn't David, when he was watching the sheep, have to kill a lion? Yeah, dude, this stuff's for real. There's beasts out there. And the only one who can protect them is who? Their shepherd. So here's what this guy says in his book. He says that as long as the sheep keep their eye on the shepherd, then they don't worry about the beasts because they know the shepherd can take care of those beasts. But as soon as they get in their own little packs and their own little groups, and as soon as they don't, you know, they're, they're not focusing on the shepherd or if the shepherd leaves, they can't see him. They get all nervous. They get upset. They start worrying. They start fighting. They start, it's all messed up. There's stress that causes all this other problem. But as long as they keep their eyes on the shepherd, they're not afraid of the beasts. That's why we harp on it. That's why the only mission this year for us at Driftwood is to continue to help each other see life from God's perspective. And to help each other see it that way, we've got to see it that way. Because you know what? There's times, Kathy, where I'm not seeing it that way. So who do I need to help me see it? You. You got to help me. There's times you're not. You need Aaron. And we need each other to keep. But we've got to keep seeing it from God's perspective so that we can have that happen. Man, I'll tell you a story later on in all this. But it was so cool to watch God do this on our trip to the Keys this last week of how our family just kept helping each other see these things, not as like bad things, not as like obstacles, but as God working, knowing he's going to work it all out. And I'll tell you a cool story at the end about that, if I don't remind me. But in this, we got beasts. So let me ask you a question. Do you have some big things in your life right now that you don't know how it's going to get taken care of? You got big, <coughs> overwhelming situations in your life right now that, that are beasts. You know, you're not worried about walking out and being attacked by a lion or something. But, but we have all kinds of other big beasts, don't we? Whether it's a job, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's emotional, whatever. How many of you would admit that there's some potential beasts out there this year? Yeah, there's potential beasts out there. And if you try keep trying to figure it out yourself, you can survive like I've done it this far or whatever. But the bottom line is, if you want to be able to rest in that green pasture, if you want to be able to rest in it and fall more in love with God so you can fall more in love with others, you've got to keep seeing it from his perspective. So there's beasts out there. The big things in life, man, we've got to just keep looking at it from his perspective. But the second thing is this. Um, bugs. How many of you all, like when you get hit by noceums, man, you just get welted up? How many of y'all are like, you know, yeah, you know, JJ, he, if nobody else is JJ, dude, if there's a noceum like in the, con in the continent, it's going to get JJ. Yeah. And, and, and how many of you ever been in a, uh, uh, dude, you were telling me about uh, fishing in Sykes Creek and Mosquito Lagoon. That's right. All those different places, uh, Banana River and all that. Man, are there mosquitoes there? Are there noceums there? Have you ever waded out fishing and had your whole body surrounded where you're sucking them in your nose? Anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and let me ask you a question. If you're out there and you see big snook, big trout, big whatever, and you got all these bugs flying around you, can you focus and concentrate on catching these prize fish? No. All you're trying to do is figure out how to get in water and not ruin your reel. And stuff. You're trying to figure out some way to get these bugs off you. How many of y'all have ever been in surrounded by bugs? Yeah, you guys get ready to live at the beach, man. I know it's awesome, but yeah, man, this whole no see him thing, it's, uh, it happens, you know? And, and, and when you're being surrounded by bugs, you can't think about anything, right? 
You can't keep things straight. How many of y'all got bugs in life? <laughs> and y'all point to them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got bugs. You got, you got things that bug you. Have you ever had those days where it's just one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, and then the next day, same thing? You got things, little things that bug you. And the frustrating part is you think you should be able to take care of those. But just like the mosquitoes, you ever swatted one mosquito and killed it? What happens? There's another one. And then there's another one, another one. And here you are. Ah! But you know what? That's how so many of us look like going through life. There's not the big beast. We can't complain. We're Americans. We've, we've got running water. We've got flushing toilets. We've got more food than we can process. And that becomes a process. So we have to go, problem, we got to go to the gym. And then we got to find time to go to the gym. And we got to find it, you know. And so instead of the big beast, as Americans, we're sitting there swatting. Everybody's like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm okay. Because they're, they're doing the same thing in life. They're trying to swat the little bugs in their life. How many of you have, like, all day long taken care of little bugs all day long? Anybody? Yeah. Sometimes you've got to just chill. Hey, the uh, sheep, how, how is a sheep going to take care of the bugs? How do you think? All right, first of all, all right, what if they could, like, put on some pants and reach in their pocket and grab some, you know, bug repellent? All right, what are their hands like? What are sheep's hands like? Yeah, they just got this, yeah. So how are they even gonna spray it? <laughs> they probably like hurt themselves trying to put it on, right? They can't apply the pesticide to themselves. And often we can't apply the pesticide to ourselves. That's why we're sitting there whacking each other going, I'm okay. And you're just taking care of bugs one after another. Man, God, the shepherd's gotta take care of the bugs too. And, and so they can't apply it themselves. They can't buy it, they can't apply it. It got, if they're going to have pesticide put on them, it's going to have to be the shepherd that does it. But you know what our problem is? We don't like God's pesticide a lot of times. Man, the sheep, the pesticide that the shepherd has to put on the sheep, I understand, is the nastiest, smelliest, grossest stuff in the world. And so if you don't want that on you, then you've got to put up with the bugs. And often in our life, the remedy for taking care of bugs is a pesticide we don't want because we want to keep living the lifestyle we're living. We want to keep doing the things we're doing. We want to keep having what we're having. We want to keep being who we're being and then can, and just keep going, I'm okay. But we're dealing with bugs all day long. We put ourselves in these positions. And so the beast, who has to take care of the beast for the sheep? The shepherd, who has to take care of the little teeny bugs for the, shepherd, for the sheep? The shepherd does, all right? So let's just say now they've got a green pasture and let's just say they've got, man, all the beasts taken care of. They're not worrying about the beasts. They got no problems with those. They got no little problems with the bugs. Have you ever been at a point in life where you got no big problems and no little problems? It's okay to be that way. <laughs> Anybody been there? You might be there right now. Like, yeah, dude, life's good. So you know what the sheep do now? Hey, what was your name again, bro? Bobby. Bobby, Bobby would you stand up right there for a second? Okay, hey, Adam, stand up right here for a second. Yeah, come right here. Okay, hey, can, can you... You know I was going to pick on you, man. Hey, Bart, can you, like, stand right there? Hey, Terry, you're not out of this, man. Come on. Come right over here. Terry's like, oh. Yeah, I've missed you, man. You've been in kids. Oh, and, and dude, Milt, can you stand right over here? All right. Stand right over here. All right. Um, yeah, Aaron, come right over here real quick. Get a good look at each other right now. Okay, back, Milt, back up because, all right, back up just a little bit. 
All right, so here's what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to get in that like position, ready to go, okay? All right, in that position, oh ready God. to go. Okay, right where Laura's at, okay, here, here's what I'm gonna do. Right where Laura's at, I want you all, on the count of three, to charge, and I want you to get your bus heads, okay? And whoever, here's the game, it's a scheme, all right? So bus head, don't use your hands, boom! With your rack, you know, right there. And, and whoever is still standing gets to keep one, okay? One, on three, ready guys? Watch, somebody's really gonna do it, aren't they? One, two, three, go! Go! Come on! Now, let me ask you a question. Why aren't you guys doing this? It doesn't seem smart. Why else aren't you doing it? Bart, why aren't you doing it? He doesn't want to bust his It's not smart. He doesn't want to bust his head. He's too big. Thank you for not participating, but that's all right. It was going to be interesting, but listen, when the sheep don't have any big problems and the sheep don't have any little problems, they have a way of creating their own problems with something called a budding order. When God takes care of the beast and the bugs, they create a budding order. So here's what they do now. They fight among each other to see who's going to be the biggest, baddest sheep in the sheepfold. Aren't you glad we don't do that? <laughs> Aren't you glad we're not in competition with each other? You know, when we're overwhelmed with a big problem, what are we overwhelmed with? The big problem. We've got all these bugs. What are we overwhelmed with? The bugs. But when we have no problem and God gives us peace, we start fighting with each other. Whether it's out in the community or it's in the church, isn't that what we do? How stupid. The shepherd's looking at all his prized stud sheep, and he's saying, and if I didn't pick you, don't take offense. It was us. I had mercy on you, all right? But... How many are sacks? I didn't pick you. No, <laughs> but anyways, seriously, the shepherd, can you imagine the shepherd looking down and seeing all his sheep lining up, getting ready to crack heads with each other? It's like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Well, I want to show you I'm the biggest, baddest sheep in the, I'm the best, I'm the strongest, I'm the best looking, I'm the, I'm the, the richest, I'm the smartest, I'm the, isn't that what we do? When we don't have big overwhelming problems and little tiny problems, don't we start competing with each other and beating each other up instead of helping each other? Man, the shepherd has gone through so much trouble to make it possible for us to lie down in green pastures. And he goes through so much trouble taking care of our beasts. He's only put beasts in our life to make us closer to him and more like him. He's only brought the bugs in our life He's brought all that to make us more dependent on him so that we can learn how to trust him and love him and then fall more in love with each other. And so we've got that. Then we create a budding order, and that's called pride. And man, it's a sin. And we're not enjoying that green pasture. So man, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're getting ready to go back to work and you've got this dashingly plan to like get promoted and you're going to like trash everybody else to make yourself a better. Don't do that. Quit competing. Be who God's made you to be and be the best at that. And we're supposed to help each other see life from God's perspective. If you're a Christian and you're butting heads all the time, 
Man, are you helping them see life from God's perspective? No. Man, be who God created you to be and show people life from God's perspective. Let God take care of the rest. So if he takes care, he takes care of the beasts, the bugs, and, and, then, and then we have this budding order, and he wants to take care of that too. You know what the shepherd said the, in this book? He said the way to get the sheep to stop budding heads. What do you think would be the way to get the sheep to stop budding heads? Would it be to go out there with electric prod, you know, and start prodding them all? Is that what it's going to take, Carrie, to get you to stop? Is that what it's going to take? No. You know what he says he has to do? He said, as a shepherd, the way he gets the sheep to stop butting heads, and they really do. You ever seen sheep do that? You know, Marlon Perkins, Mutual of Omaha. Y'all remember that show? The sheep butting heads. He said what he has to do is he just simply, as a shepherd, has to go stand on the fence. Go lean on the fence and let those sheep see him. And when the sheep see the shepherd, they all of a sudden realize it doesn't matter who's the biggest, baddest sheep in the sheepfold. Because now they're comparing themselves to the shepherd instead of all the other sheep. That's why we've got to help each other see life from God's perspective. Because it doesn't matter the competition here. That's not why God's got us here. He's got us here to help each other see life from God's perspective. He could have taken us to heaven when we got saved and solved it all, but he's got work for us to do. It's about others. And more important than you button heads and showing how big and bad you are, you maybe need to start helping and showing some love, showing people who God really is. So the three reasons why we don't, why we don't rest is what's the first one? The beasts, the and the, and the budding. We got to at least hit this last part of this real quick. Um, and, and I hope none of that's causing you not to rest. The beast, the bugs, and the budding. You really can trust God for these things. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the story from vacation that goes right in between all of these. When we took off, man, um, we took off on Tuesday. And, uh, man, Monday, Friday, last Friday, I, I spent money and I, I put new rails, new sides on my little ghetto trailer, my little four-bike trailer I had. And it looks sweet. Monday, I went down to Harbor Freight and I bought a new jack for it and new lights, which used money from my mother. Mother-in-law gave me for Christmas for that because I was like, dude, I just want this trailer to be jam up, man. And it looked great. And then, and then Monday, we packed the trailer strategically, man. It looked like the Beverly Hillbillies, especially we put Keone's car right on top. You know, a little rocking chair. Remember they used to have that? It looked perfect. And we loaded it up to the car and everything was awesome. And all seven of us, we put the extra seat in my, my Yukon, and all seven of us were in there, and everybody was happy. He got heads with fishing rods in them and all this. And we were going, and everything was great, man. We make it to the Bass Pro Matt wanted to go to in Dania Beach. We get going again, and all of a sudden, we're down on the turnpike one mile south of 41st Street. You know, I know that because I saw that sign enough. And, and all of a sudden, we're hearing this weird noise we've never heard before. And my kids are like, hey, Dad, what's that noise? And I'm thinking, it sounded like my boards are flying off. But I didn't know what it was, so I immediately cut all the way across five lanes of traffic. I don't know how many, but I cut across. And, and I pull on the side of the road. And I was like, hmm, all right. We're trying to see life from God's perspective. That's what we've been talking about. I get out of the car, and I've never seen this ever in my life. But the tongue on my trailer broke. It was rusted, so my trailer went like this. We're going 70 plus miles an hour and all of a sudden and I pull over the side and I'm looking saying oh thank God because all I could imagine was it breaking free cutting and going up in the air and there's all our stuff but fortunately we got it off the road it's like all right awesome 
Hey, I got an idea. And I started praying right away, man. And I was like, all right, God, show me what to do. God, this is your trailer. God, this is your stuff. You've got to show me what to do because honestly, right now, I didn't want my family to see my face. I didn't want them to, you know, I don't know where they were thinking. They were kind of looking at me maybe for a little leadership. I'm thinking, I don't know, but I'm, I'm there like, it's going to be all right. It's going to be right on. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> this is a trailer and I can't fix it. Inside, literally, that's what I was. It didn't show on my face, and that's where I was. I was trying to be strong for y'all, man. I was. But inside, I was a whimpering little baby, like, oh my God. I'm like, all right, let's call AAA. AAA, we'll get AAA to tow our trailer that I was not going anywhere, not getting my son. Matt's like, he's like, Dad, that trailer ain't getting towed nowhere now. <laughs> it ain't going nowhere now. It's like, Dad, it's dead. And I'm like, yes. I'm thinking, Right on. All right, God, what do we do? So I'm going to call AAA. I call AAA. And have you ever been online with AAA, on, on the phone with AAA? These days, dude, it's like after they answer your call after 45 minutes, they're like, are you in a safe place? And I'm like, yeah. no, it was actually only a half hour this time. And hi, can we help you? And I'm like, yeah, ma'am, I need this. And if they can bring a flatbed, they can tow my trailer to a U-Haul place. We can like kind of in peace in a safe place, get all this going. So, oh, do you have the RV trailer package? And I'm like, you know, I got everything else. I got toes left. Use three toes for this one. It's all good. And they're like, well, I'm sorry, sir. We can't help you. I know it makes sense, but we can't help you because of policy. And I'm like, okay, awesome. God determines his will for our lives by what he provides. And he obviously didn't want those people from AAA hearing about Jesus that day. All right, because I was going to tell them. So, oh, my goodness. I'm like, all right, all right. We're on the side of the road. And, and now this is, this is Miami. This is the turnpike, and all the cars, and people are honking, going, hi, sucks to be you. <laughs> I mean, that, we heard that all out the window, like, oh, look at those guys, aren't you glad you're not them, you know, just like you would have done, right? And, and so they're all going by, and I'm like, all right, all right, JJ, call, call U-Haul, call, got people on phones, and, and we talked to every U-Haul person. We're just thinking, dude. Tell me where the U-Haul is. Let me come there. But no, instead of calling a Miami U-Haul place, you have to call one in Wisconsin or some central location. Like, where are you at? And you answer the same question. They finally are like, oh, there's one right down the street from you. Yes, if I could talk. Because I call the one in Miami. And they're like, oh, you have to call the main thing up in Wisconsin. And I'm like, what? So they finally put me back down to them. And man, we go. We, we're like, OK, you guys stay. So it was really cool to watch Matt and JJ, they broke an umbrella that God told JJ to bring that day, didn't he? Ashley's like, what are you bringing an umbrella for? He's like, I don't know, God wants an umbrella. So he whips out the umbrella, they whip out some chairs out of our finely packed trailer, and they sit on the side of the road. And you guys probably have stories you can tell about that. I'm sure you got waved at and honked at and everything else. And nobody came to help. Three cops passed right by him, didn't he stop? You should have looked like you, well, then they really wouldn't have stopped. But anyways, so we go, and thank God for GPS, we get to like a U-Haul station, and I'm thinking I'm going to rent a car trailer, one of those tow things, and we'll put the trailer on it, and we'll tow the trailer, because I'm not letting this trailer go. I just used my daggum Christmas money to buy a jack, and to buy this wood, and to buy the lights, and I'm going to fix this, or I'm going to strip it all off. And that's where I started. That's my plan. That's how it's going to work. And I, like an idiot, I told him what I was going to do. I should have just rented the trailer and then asked for forgiveness later. But I said, no, here's what I want to do. And like, oh, we can't rent you that. You can only put cars on car trailers. If somebody gets hurt, we're going to get sued. And so I said, you're not going to rent to me? No, we're not. And now it became a reality that my trailer is probably going to be left on the side of the road in Miami. 
And all these things I just bought with my Christmas money are going to be a present to somebody else that I don't know. And I'm like, but that wood. And God's like, whose wood is it? I said, it's yours. Whose jack is that? It's yours. Whose lights are these? are yours. And I'm like fighting with God. I'm just being honest with you guys. I wish I could say, oh, yes, God spoke to my heart. And I was like, oh, take it. It's all yours. No problem. But in my heart, I'm like, no. I want this trailer. And I'm probably going to end up getting rid of it later after I strip it out. But I'm like, no, I need this trailer. And so all we can find is this giant six by 12 enclosed trailer. I look at it. It's like it's got these brakes, all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to carry that. And it's all they would do. I'm like, can I get one of these like open trailers? They're like, no, no, those are those have to stay in Miami. If you want to take one back to Fort Pierce, you can only take this one. I'm like, Awesome. So we go in there and we're almost finalizing it. These guys are still on the side of the road, man. I hope you GoPro'd like all kinds of stuff. You got footage nobody else in the world would ever have the opportunity to get. But we're there and I'm at this U-Haul place in the middle of these Miami warehouses with gang tags everywhere. I didn't feel unsafe at all. It was good. My, I had all the girls with me, so they were going to take care of me, man. We were good. And, and we're, we're down there in this warehouse and, and they were really nice. I got to share Christ. This girl's going to move to California. She wants to come up here and do surf lessons. And I got to talk to different people, man. It was awesome. I just kept trying to say, all right, God, you're putting me with people. I'm going to share the gospel with them. We're going to talk. And, and so we're almost ready to get out of there. And she's like, okay, so you got a two-inch ball on your trailer, on your hitch? I'm like, or she goes, you got a hitch? I'm like, yeah, I got a two-inch ball. I'm like, no, because I need a one in seven eighths. I got three of those at home. And she's like, I said, so can you sell me one? By this time, we're not being frugal. We're just like trying to like survive. And I'm like, can you sell me one? She says, oh, that's a problem, because at this one, we don't have any. We, and she's like, you're going to have to go three miles away, which is going to be like 20 minutes <laughs> and in Miami. And I'm like, OK, awesome. So I get in the car, and we go to the other place. And I get in there. I said, OK, ma'am, I need to buy this two-inch ball. She sells me two-inch ball. I said, oh, oh, and they're all, by this time, they all knew us. <laughs> they, they're like, oh, you guys are the ones trying to put a trailer on a car thing, right? You're the ones who are trying to shove a trailer inside a trailer, right? You're the ones doing They knew us, man, by now. And so we're talking to, and I'm like, yes, that's me, ma'am. Yes, we're the ones on the side of the road going to vacation. Yes, that's me. And I get to start sharing the gospel and talking with them and everything. Like, you have a great attitude for all this. And I'm like, yes, ma'am, that's Jesus right now. And I said, I'm praying Jesus shows up. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I just know Jesus is going to show up in this whole thing. And it's going to be awesome. I don't know. I said, I'm just on his time. And I'm seeing my family and I, I'm just so grateful to be the family that even in the midst of this, we're trying to see life from God's perspective. And I got to give my family props because there are a lot of families that have been whiny babies, including mine at other times, but God must have had grace over top of our vehicle because everybody was helping each other see life from God's perspective, doing their, what their gifts were. It was cool. So I get there, and, and then I'm, I'm, I'm renting the train. I'm like, well, what do you need this two-inch ball for? You don't have a ball in there? I'm like, no, I have a six-inch seven. Well, you don't need a two-inch ball. You could do it with an inch and seven-eighths. And I'm like, oh, three miles ago, 20 minutes ago, I couldn't. And I was just keeping all this in. So she's like, well, let me refund the ball. That took a total of 15, 20 minutes, all right, refunding the ball that I didn't need. And then I get, and they tell me, oh, go over there and wait. So I'm over there waiting, and nobody's coming. I finally come over, and they're like, oh, no, you got to come over here. So I went over there, and the guy's like, oh, you don't ever need a two-inch ball. And by the way, if you go to U-Haul, inch and seven-eighths fits everything they have. The guy said, if anybody tells you different, they don't know what they're talking about. And he said, <laughs> he said, if the reason God brought you here, he said, is because we're the best. 
He said, those guys would have probably messed it up and not got your trailer on right and caused your problem. We're the best, so that's why you're here. And he's getting our everything on all together. And, and so we're finally getting ready to take off. And I'm just still thinking, all right, I'm going to have to leave my trailer. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, it's just, I felt like that guy. You remember Nathan and David when Nathan told the story? This one guy had a little trailer, just one that he loved. Oh, and this other guy had all these trailers. And I'm just feeling like that guy with my one little trailer that I love, and I'm going to have to leave it. And I'm just like, Jesus, you've got to show up. Jesus, I don't, you know what, you got to tell me what to do because I don't have a piece about leaving my trailer. So we pull in, and we, JJ and Matt are there, and I pull it up. I'm like, oh, this might fit. And so they're trying to lift the trailer and maybe put that in our trailer, and they couldn't really lift. So we unloaded the whole thing, and here we are on the side of the road. People, they probably have, have you checked YouTube for videos of us? <laughs> but they're turning it sideways, trying to shove it in. It won't shove it. And then there's a, one of those Road Ranger guys comes behind us. And he probably has video <laughs> for, the, for the cops because <laughs> we look like probably stealing this. But he's sitting there, and, and I'm like, guys, go, somebody go ask him for help. <laughs> and, and, and so the guy comes up, and he's like, yeah, well, I have an you know, uh, impact wrench. I can take these wheels off. I bet we can fit this all in here. And so he comes take, he's taking the wheels off, and we're trying to take boards off. And I was like, hey, man, what's your name? And he's like, oh, it's Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, hey, Jesus, awesome, man. I was not even thinking about my earlier prayer. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, hey, hey, Zeus. All I'm thinking of, Jesus of Nazareth. I'm like, where's this Jesus from? And I'm like, where are you from, man? And he's like, oh, Cuba. And I'm like, uh, and, and he's like, oh, cool, man. I said, you know, there was a guy named Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus is a common name. I'm going through all this, telling the gospel. And I said, so you're Jesus of Cuba, man. And that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, I didn't know there were so many Jesuses. And he's telling me, I'm like, yeah, it's a common name. And so, you know, your town, that's you. And we're just, man, thank you so much for helping us. We get the trailer in. And we load everything on the trailer that's now on the trailer. You know, I felt like, you know those where they take a chicken, stick it in a duck, and a duck and a turkey? I, 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 if you can come up with a good name for what God did with this trailer, we stuck a trailer in a trailer. And anyways, so here it is. We got everything loaded. And we're like, yes, now we're going to the Keys. Because prior to that, I, I thought about turning around. I said, we can't turn around. I'm like, God, I need and We get in the car, and JJ says, isn't it cool that Jesus showed up? <laughs> Jesus from Cuba, Jesus. <laughs> and I was just like, oh! I said, you don't know my prayer, man. I was praying. I said, Jesus, you got to show up so I know what to do with this trailer, man. And Jesus showed up. Man, tell me in that story we don't have some beasts. Tell me we don't have some bugs. And tell me with all the strong personalities that we had in that car that we couldn't have had a little budding order going on. But it was cool to watch everybody be powered by the Holy Spirit of God and let the Spirit of God direct us and show us where to go and show us what to do. And it was a cool story. There's a lot of people that would have just gone to the airport. They would have thrown their luggage on. They would have flown to a nice airport. They would have gotten a taxi and checked into a nice little hotel. And they would have had a pool. They had a, but dude, they don't have a story like this. This is what Christian life's about is adventures, man. It's not about all the planned whatever. And I'm not saying don't make plans. But what I'm saying is, is seeing life from God's perspective. It's an adventure. Whatever he throws at you, do the best you can with what you got, where you're at, seeing it from his perspective. And then you got cool stories where you can brag on God. Because that day, dude, Jesus showed up <laughs> in a Road Ranger truck. And I'll never forget that. 
Super quick on this last part. You didn't even think I could talk that long on half a verse, did you? But listen to this next part. And I, I promise we're not going to go into this very much. But it says, he leads me beside still waters. You know, sheep are top heavy and they got those little tiny legs. And if a sheep gets wet, goes besides not still waters, they get wet and they flip over and they're top heavy. And they're called, it's called being cast, cast down. They're cast and they're, and they're like, they don't have those little buttons that says, I fall and I can't get up, beep, beep, beep. You know, basically they're stuck. And that's what the wolves and all those animals look to prey on are sheep that are cast because they know they're helpless. So in order to break, but sheep need water and they're living in a drier climate. Man, they need it. And the only way they're going to get it is if who provides it? The shepherd. But look what he brings them by. He doesn't bring them by raging rapids. He brings them by what? Still waters. So guess what? And I'm just going to throw these three D words at you super quick. One is that they're distant. Those waters are, are good ways away from where they're raising these sheep. So there's a distance to be traveled. How many of you ever had to wait for God? Yeah, dude. And you got to wait with them with a good attitude. That's what patience is in the Greek, is carrying a heavy load with a good attitude. <laughs> That's what it means. And, man, you know what will happen? The shepherd will start lining his sheep up and taking them, and they follow each other, and they follow each other. And then what will happen is there'll be little mud puddles on the side of the road. He's taken them to a crystal clear spring, which is his will for their lives. But how many of you have ever not waited and you drank out of a mud puddle? And you got liver flukes and parasites and worms, you know? That's what happens. One will do this. One will get off to the side and start drinking. And the shepherd will get, oh, no. Because if one gets off, what, what's going to happen to some of the others? But that one that gets off track is, and not being patient is leading the other. That's why we have to keep helping each other see life from God's perspective. The more so, if you ever see me drinking out of a mud puddle, man, come tell me that ain't good. All right, I don't care what that mud puddle is. You see me go straying off, not waiting on God. Help me out. Because there's nothing but diseases, and then the shepherd's got to take care of all of that. But he's led everybody down the wrong path. Man, that's why we got to keep helping each other. So he gets them back on the right path. Now check this out. When they actually get to a spring out in that arid, dry place, it's not like, you know, Wakiva Springs or Blue Springs or it's Natuckney. It's a cave. And the shepherd literally takes his clothes off, goes deep down into that cave. And the shepherd's down there, and the shepherd's calling now to the sheep. Come on down. Have you ever had God calling and you not know where you're going, Natalie? You know he's calling. You hear his voice, and you know it's going to be good for you. But it's scary because it's dark, and you can't see where you're going. All you can do is listen to the shepherd's voice as he's saying, come on down, come on down. And you're like, but it's dark. It's scary. I don't know God, give me a flashlight, give me a headlight, give me something. He's like, just come on down. Trust me. So it's distant. It's dark. And you know what? As you start going down, how many of you ever started going down God's path? You, you had the faith to take a step and go down into the darkness, but how many of you freaked out halfway through and you wanted to run as fast as you could back up to the light before you got to where God wanted you to go? You got in, and you had the faith, but before you got to actually to where God wanted you to go, you freaked out and left. It's deep. You've got to keep going deep. And that's why we've got to be in the Word. You've got to go deep into the Word. Let the soul, let the Word just go deep in your heart. Let it dictate, let it, let it direct everything about you. And just keep going until you get where God wants you to go. Because you can trust Him. 
He's not calling you down there to poison. He's not calling you down there to be eaten by beasts. Just the opposite. But there's so many people in Christian life that, one, they get distracted by the mud puddles because they don't want to go the distance. Two, they, it's too dark and they can't see what's ahead, so they're not going past where you can't see, but it takes faith to go where you can't see. And once they start, they freak out because it's just too deep. Man, go the distance. Go into that darkness, but use your faith to go where you can't see. We sing about it in that ocean song all the time. Just go, but don't quit halfway through. Don't quit, because when you get down there, man, those sheep that get there, man, they're digging it. And meanwhile, the ones that were eaten out of the mud puddles, dude, they're like laying on the ground in a fetal position with worms and everything else, right? And that's not what God wants. That's not why he left you here, to lay in a fetal position and show everybody how horrible the world is. He wants you to follow him in faith. He's your shepherd. You don't need anything else. Guarantee you. Jesus needs to show up, dude. He'll show up. <laughs> He's there. Let's bow for prayer. <clears throat> Father, I'm so grateful and... Uh, Christmas 87, you started the process, and in June 27, 1988, you sent a guy to come over and show me out of your word how I could know for sure that when I died, I'm going to heaven. And on top of all of that, you gave me faith to trust in a journey that had absolutely no idea where the next step was going to take me. And never had any idea of how far it would take me, never knew of the destination. I'm even still there right now. Father, I, I can't see what the future holds other than heaven, but between here and heaven, I don't know. I barely know where I'm at, but what I do see all the time, Father, just like in a rowboat, is the wake of your faithfulness. Father, I can look back and see the results, your greatness, your awesomeness, in what you've already done in my life. And I know there's so many here that can see that too. So Father, um, I pray that if there's somebody here today that cannot say, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> Father, I pray that you would give them a desire to just surrender their lives to you through what Christ did on the cross, paying for their sins. And you would give them a faith that they cannot refuse. Father, I pray that today would be the day that they just surrender and give themselves to you, surrender everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you, and know and be able to believe that what Christ did on the cross paid for their sins forever. And they have a home in heaven, but while they're here, you're going to be the most awesome shepherd there is. So, Father, I pray someone would give their life to you, give their life to Christ today. Father, for those of us who have done it, I pray you would show us areas of our life where, unlike David, we can't say, I don't need anything. Father, would you please just show us where we have everything we need? And if there's something you want us to go get, you want us to do, um, you want us to have, show us the steps we need to take to have that and go get that. But if you just want us to use what we have, then put that peace in our hearts where we're at. Father, you direct our hearts. You're our shepherd. We're totally lost without you. 
Father, I, I want to thank you for making a green pasture, and I want to say I'm sorry for all the times I don't rest. I pray, Father, for those who need rest the most, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, that you would give them spiritual rest. They would be able to rest and recline, recline like in a lazy boy recliner, resting in you and your goodness and your power and your mercy. Teach us how to rest knowing you're our shepherd. And Father, as you lead us to whatever the still water is that's next, I pray that we don't get distracted. We just keep following you. We don't get distracted by the mud puddles. I pray, Father, that when we're approaching that and it's dark and we have to take a scary step forward, but we know it's you calling us, we would take that step. And I pray that, Father, when we're halfway there, we wouldn't be scared and we would just continue. And then one day, be able to tell everyone about the awesome, crystal clear water that you provided for us in the most unlikely place. So, Father, take this and let it encourage us to keep studying this psalm, to maybe even read this book, to just keep seeing life from your perspective, Father, and help others see life from your perspective. Father, thank you for giving us the opportunity to do it, and I pray that we would do it more this year than we did last year, that this would be our mantra. You're my shepherd, I don't need anything. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.